right. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, stepmothers, godmothers, mothers-to-be, all of our ladies. We are thankful for each one of you and the influence that you have on each of our lives and your prayer. I don't know where I would be. I promise you I would not be where I'm at today were it not for my godly mother and her prayers and encouragement in my life. And even today, um, this morning, sitting back in the back, uh, after all the things that she's gone through in the last year, year and a half, I'm thankful, Mom, for you, and I love you, and I appreciate uh, your daily uh, praying without ceasing on our behalf, and uh, I'm so thankful for your influence. popular poem written about 150 years ago contains the line, The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. If you think about it, actually the hand that rocks the cradle is probably attached to a mother uh, who isn't getting enough sleep, and uh, she's probably exhausted. I was watching uh, the Bird family back here this morning. Uh, they were here early uh, with uh, six-month-old twins, and uh, everybody had a smile on their face. I don't know what they were fed before they got here, uh, but uh, I'm not. I'm totally playing with it. But I said, "You guys are rocking it uh, this morning," and uh, uh, all of the sleepless nights, all of the the prayer-filled nights, is many times. We are on our knees just uh, praying over our children, and we're thankful for the influence that our godly mother and grandmother and family members have. So today we're going to honor our moms. We applaud you, uh, not only for your efforts, but for who you are. You're probably uh, the one that's uh, uh, the least thanked. And yet the one who does the most, uh, and I know our, in my own household, my house would not function without my wife, the mother of, of our four kids, and her uh, diligence to pray over our kids, to point them towards a relationship with Jesus, and to keep everybody on schedule. I mean, how does a family of six function uh, fully? Uh, not very well without mom uh, on board, and she knows Every time I take one of our kids to the doctor, I tell her, I say, keep your cell phone handy, Marisa, because I'm like, I'm going to have to know, what, is, what are they allergic to? They start asking me, I'm like, you're the doctor, you've got all the records, why are you asking me? What? I, I, it's just the third child down, I can't remember, but after the first one, I don't even know, I, I, I get their names mixed up at times, and I'm trying to keep them straight, and they ask me what they're allergic to, I'm like, just look in their file, but, uh, so I have to call my wife and say, tell me what it is that they're allergic to, tell me what it is, that they, what's, you know, the last, and she knows when they've been to the dentist last and when they're due for their next vaccines and all of these things. And I, I wouldn't function. I mean, they wouldn't be dressed or certainly not appropriately uh, for the weather or whatever or whatever season or they're going into. But folks, if you think about the relationship with you have with your mom, sometimes, uh, and sometimes people are tempted to turn off this service because maybe the relationship with mom is not what it should have been or what it could have been. Or maybe you've lost your mom and, and she's no longer here and you're dealing with that struggle. Maybe you're in a rough relationship with your mom and you struggle with all of the, the, the sappiness of Mother's Day and the cards and all of those things. Some of you may have a mom who's very sick this morning and, and you're worried, is, you know, how much longer is she going to be with us? A number of you have experienced the loss of a child and... And our hearts go out to you, and we, are, we uh, weep with you, and we want to encourage you and lift you up this morning. A number of you have experienced you know, heartache and, uh, and parenting. And 
You know, there's probably mothers that probably wish they didn't even have kids. And, uh, and sometimes we see that even in, 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 in the, the world around us. We see mom or people, or ladies who would love to be a mom and would give anything to have her own child. And there are people that are grieving, uh, the, uh, you know, not being able to have a child or, or the, maybe a prodigal child who's kind of walked away from their faith and their family. And so as moms, sometimes there's moms that are flying solo and they're doing everything by themselves. And we want to applaud you this morning and say, keep it up. The influence that you are having far will supersede anything that you can possibly imagine because those kids need a godly mother who's going to love them and point them toward that relationship with Jesus Christ. But let me be quick to say, if you aren't married or you don't have children this morning, and you're a lady, you're not inferior in any way, shape, or form. In fact, womanhood is not bound by marriage or by children. Your worth as a woman goes far deeper and far beyond your marital status or whether or not you have kids. So we begin, I want to think about the shout-out for those that are raising young kids right now. Those families that were up here on the stage and those that have had kids in the last few years, uh, preschool and nursery-age kids, uh, we love you. We're, uh, I, my wife and I, our youngest now are 11 years old, and we're sitting here thinking, I can't fathom you know, the sleepless nights. I can't, I mean, our kids sleep all night long. We have three dogs that sleep all night long. And I mean, our house is crazy, but we get sleep at our house. And I can't fathom the, that living in that stage right now. And, and uh, my sister-in-law is, is pregnant with her second child. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm so thankful that's you and, and not us. I mean, uh, all of those, we're, we're excited for them. But, you know, when you think about the, the, what it's like to be a parent, to be a mother, and Proverbs 31, 15 says, she rises while it is yet night. <laughs> Oftentimes, mom is up before everyone. She stays up later because she's having to get everything organized for the next day. I told, uh, I told the birds earlier, uh, a few months ago, I said, hey, that first year we were tag teaming as a couple every night, just trying to load the dishwasher with the thousands of bottles and, and get the diaper bags packed for the next day with all the, the diapers and the, the formula and all of the clothes and, oh my goodness, the clothes that they spit up on and they asked me, he said, you know, you probably don't want to hold our child. You'll end up with vomit all down your back. And I'm like, hey, for those first two years, that was every outfit I owned. Every suit coat, every shirt, every sweater, just, you know, it was just covered. Don't turn around and look at the back of me because I'm, I'm covered in barf. But it's part of being a parent. It's part of being a mom. And this morning in our text, we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're reminded of the faith that Timothy's mother and grandmother had and the influence that she had on their on his life and, and I love this verse and we're going to we're going to look at the, the more in context here of the whole passage in a moment but it says in first Timothy second Timothy 1 5 it says I'm reminding of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well this mother daughter team took their role seriously of investing in Timothy's spiritual formation, in his faith, in teaching him how to know Jesus Christ and how to follow him with his life. And, and folks, what an awesome responsibility a mother has to influence her children. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin 
our message this morning. Heavenly Father, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, already this morning, the time of worship has been uh, Christ-exalting and, and, and lifting up. And Lord, uh, seeing each of these families represented on stage this morning as they're dedicating their children to the Lord, God, we give you the glory and we, and, and we ask for your blessings upon them. But Lord, I pray for the next few moments as we look at the life of a young man who was influenced by his mother and by his grandmother. God, I pray that each mother and grandmother here this morning would understand the responsibility that they have. And Lord, they would set aside any other priorities for the moment and just see firsthand from Scripture, God, how they have such an influence on their children. And God, I pray that you would help them to step up to the plate and, Lord, really desire to be all that you've called them and created them to be. God, would you equip them? Would you strengthen them? Would you help them? Would your Holy Spirit anoint them this morning with your power to be that godly role model and influence for their children? God, would you do a mighty work in our church family this morning? Even those who do not have children this morning, God, would you give them encouragement and strength? And Lord, I pray for those that are, are, are expecting a baby, God, you would give them the, the encouragement of that responsibility that you're going to place in their hands. God, give us uh, a, a fresh anointing of your power from your word this morning. We give you all the glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So we look at our passage this morning. The Apostle Paul was a human author or writer. In fact, the Holy Spirit of God divinely inspired Paul to write uh, most of the, or much of the New Testament uh, books. And so as he's writing, he's talking about Timothy, and he, he's, he's talking about the influence that uh, Eunice and Lois, the mother and grandmother of, of Timothy, had on his life. Timothy had become a partner in the ministry with, uh, with Paul, and, and so he was now the pastor of the, uh, the, the church at Ephesus. And Paul had written a previous letter known as First Timothy, and now many years later, as he neared the end of his life, he wrote another letter to young Timothy. And it's neat to see how God was instructing and using this in his life. So as you look, let's look at the first part of 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Most of Paul's letters, we'll get back to it in a second, were written to churches or groups of people. But here's a, a letter, and it's a, a book of Scripture, of, of the Word of God, the part of the canon of Scripture that he singles out Timothy, and he calls him his beloved child. Even though Timothy was not his physical child, he had become a spiritual father, or Timothy was a spiritual son, they had that father-son type of relationship in his life. In verse 3 it says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. As Paul is writing, he's remembering the, the good times, the, the times of investing in Timothy's life, and he's seeking to continually encourage him. And let me just say, as a parent, your job is never done. Uh, my dad just turned 79 last week. He still influences my life every single day. He still has an impact in some way every day on the way I think, 
the way I conduct myself, the way I, I, I behave. All of you say, well, we're going to blame all that on dad, all right? Not mom, but I'm, I'm totally kidding. He, he has such an influence on my life, and I'll call him today, and I'll ask him, you know, advice. I'll ask for, for godly advice. I'll ask for wisdom, and and sometimes when I don't want to hear it, you know, I don't always ask him, and I'll make a decision change, and sometimes I regret it, you know, because I know what he's going to tell me. I mean, we all know if you have a father that has that influence on you. So Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's, he's saying, I long to see you again. I miss you. I, I long to see you serving and thriving in ministry. And so he's recalling Timothy's tears here in verses 3 and 4. It says it makes him long to see him. Eleven years had gone by since they had seen each other, and the word it means to yearn and desire earnestly. He was the word "field" has the idea of being empty or hollow. He says, "I want to to see you once again. I want to see and experience that that close relationship that we that we've had over the years." Some of us felt that way maybe over the last twelve to fifteen months, and the distance during the the, the COVID pandemic. And not being able to see loved ones. In fact, uh, I was with my dad a couple weeks ago, and we saw his siblings and their spouses. And it was the first time we had seen them in almost a year and a, since December of 2019. And it was like, you felt like you were just, you could not wait to see them. And you felt like you had missed so much over that time. And, and, and what a, it was a, a sense of loss or, or emptiness uh, over that time. And I'm thankful for technology that, you know, over the last year, year and a half, that as a church, we could still gather corporately. In fact, we had a family that, that came to our church, and, and they started, you started tuning in online for the first time. And, and then now today, they're, they're here physically and in person, and, and they were in starting point last Sunday. And I, I'm thankful for that, but folks, virtual church does not replace in-person worship. And there's it, something about the face-to-face uh, of seeing family. It's not the same as FaceTiming with, with, with a family member. You know, you drive and you see them and you fly and you see family in person and you just want to hug them and, and just hold them and, and love on them. And there's something about that. I miss that when we weren't meeting in person as a church. And and even this morning, I was giving uh, some hugs, uh, and I always take the cue from you. If you're good with a handshake or a hug, I'm good with that. I've been fully vaccinated. I'm doing my best to do my part. But at the end of the day, there's something about being able to be in the presence of someone. Paul says, I've longed for that. And, and, and he felt, uh, it was, uh, he was so passionate about his relationship with his disciples. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, But since we're torn apart from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored to more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again for you are our glory and joy. Paul loved to see his children in the ministry, people that he had invested in. And so Timothy's mom and his grandmother, Paul's sitting in a prison cell. He's longing to, to see him. And as Paul writes these words, he's remembering the faith that Timothy's mother and grandmother and the influence that they had on his life. It fills him with memories of two missional moms, two moms who saw the role that God had given them as followers of Jesus. So he's reminiscing about these relationships. He recalls Eunice being raised in a religious home where she was greatly influenced by her mother, Lois. 
She taught her the relationship with God and how to love God and, and listen to God. And she loved hearing stories from the Bible and enjoyed gathering in services where she could learn about God. As she approached her teenage years, she became attracted to a man who was not uh, a man of faith, who was not religious, as you would call it in that day. Against the best wishes of her godly mother, the teaching of her faith, the tug of her conscience, she married an unbelieving man. In fact, we see that in several other places in the New Testament. And so it's never a good idea. In fact, young people, I want you to hear me this morning. When your parents are saying you should not date someone who's not a believer, listen, because you're not going to be going in the same direction. They're not going to lead you into a closer relationship with Jesus. They're not going the same direction that you're going. And so here she marries an unbeliever. It's never a good idea. And, and so when the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, there's a reason for that. But we see that's what uh, she does. And Eunice does that. A couple of years into marriage, Eunice and her husband have a young child, and they name him Timothy. And in the meantime, Eunice's dad passes away, and so she goes to live with Eunice and her husband and young Timothy. And I'm just kind of giving you the, the backdrop or the story about what's happening. And, and so they begin to teach Timothy. His mother and grandmother begin to teach him the Word of God daily. They begin to pour into him the truths of God's Word, the principles of God's Word, the, the, the Scriptures. And they pray with him. They train him in the things of God, creating a spiritual environment where he can flourish and thrive. These new believers, in turn, focused on teaching Timothy all about Jesus Christ. We don't know much about Timothy's dad. In fact, the Word of God doesn't give a lot of clarity or, or insight on it, other than he was a Greek and he was an unbeliever. But we're not told if he deserted the family, if he died, or he just wasn't present, spiritually speaking. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. As well. Now, I don't think uh, Lois and Eunice are not as common in today's culture, but what a thing to be known for, for your spiritual influence, the ability to impact your children and your grandchildren with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the word sincere means genuine without hypocrisy or pretense. In fact, the King James translates it this way as unfeigned faith. Timothy's faith was not a false facade. He was the real deal. Now, our family likes to vacation at, at Disney, and uh, we even go to Universal on occasion. But sometimes when you go to these theme parks, there's these beautiful facades of buildings. But if you turn on the, the, the side street and you kind of see the, the corner or the back side of the building, you realize there's not much to it. It's kind of a, a, a fake front. It's a facade. It's, a, it's often a movie set type thing. And, and Main Street USA looks really good from the front. But you get on the back side, it's just a metal building. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. And, uh, and it's, but it's a, a facade. But what happens is he's saying, as a 
as a mother and a grandmother, they had a genuine, real faith. It wasn't just a front on Sunday morning. They didn't have a thing that they just turned on when they got ready to uh, eat their meal and they just prayed a little, God is great, God is good, let us take him for our food. No, it was a genuine faith that transcended time. It was unfeigned faith. And folks, a hypocrite was one who is one who wears a mask. How are you doing that with that right now? I'm, I'm, I'm totally playing. You know, I, the thing I hate about a mask in this time, and I'm not against it, I, I wore it this morning, but oftentimes you can't see the real person. You can't see, it, and that's what I've hated is I can't tell if you're happy. I see some smiles this morning. Or if you're sad, if you're dealing with grief, or you're exuberant with joy. It's hard to read people in this certain season. But there was a certain unfeigned faith in in Timothy's family. And and they had such a desire to see him come to know Jesus Christ. As Paul's reminded of Timothy's sincere spirituality, he recalls the godliness of his mother and his grandmother. While tracing his family tree of faith, he says... A faith that dwelt. Think about it for just a second. The word dwelt means to inhabit, to take up residence, to be at home with. There are a lot of people that are religious, but it's never taken up ownership. And the relationship is not Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit is not dwelling within them. They've gone through some religious uh, accolades or they've gotten confirmed or they've been baptized or their name is on a church roll, but it's not dwelling within you. See, what happens is when we have a personal relationship with Jesus, it dictates the way we conduct ourselves. It dictates the way we live our lives. And folks, faith didn't make a guest appearance a couple times a year. Her faith was full-time, 24-7, 365. See, why is this so important? Because, folks, we can't check out the other 363 days out of the year and expect our kids to follow Jesus. Can I get a witness this morning? You can't check out all the other days and say, well, you know what? It's Christmas. It's Easter. I'm going to turn it on this morning. And hopefully my kids, are you fooling? Who are you fooling? Yourself? Because you're not fooling anyone else. At the end of the day, they are watching to see, is there something to a relationship with Jesus that I want for myself? They're looking to see, is there something to, when you face a trial, do you dig deeper and lean into that relationship with Jesus? Or do you fall apart and completely lose faith in the one who hung the stars and the moon and created man from the dust of the ground and breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. Folks, if we can't trust the God who created the entire universe to help us with a financial struggle, a health struggle, a relationship struggle, what in heaven's name are we doing? I mean, we're wasting our time if our kids don't see our faith growing in relationship. There's five priorities, and this is not my, my main points of the sermon. But I want you to, if you snapshot it, take a picture of it. Uh, there are five principles that come from out of this passage. Sincere Christ followers are going to stand out. Their faith is going to rise to the top like that cream does. It's going to be stand out. And he remembers the sincere spirituality that's in Timothy as a pastor of the church at Ephesus, 
but it's also in his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. I look back in my own life and the influence of my mother, of my grandmother, of my father, of my grandfather, and I look and see my granddad wasn't a, was, not, was not a church pastor. He was a faithful deacon in his church, a faithful servant in his church. He taught Sunday school, uh, and he was like a youth pastor. He didn't get paid for it. That wasn't his day job, but he taught the teens in Sunday school. And I, I crack up laughing. It was a whole different world back then, but uh, this was what country church in, in America, in the South. He had a camel cigarette in one hand and a church bulletin in the other hand. He'd hand out a bulletin and puff on a cigarette and uh, put out the cigarette, walk inside, teach teen Sunday school. And I'm laughing because, I mean, this is just how it was. I mean, it was a long time ago. It was a different world back then. And, and he would teach the Word of God, and he modeled it in Christ's living, Christ-like living, gospel living, and he influenced hundreds of people in a small country Baptist church in the South all these years ago, and yet he never pastored a church, but he influenced his son, who would go on and become a pastor and start this church 35 years ago. And today now, his grandson, and I'd give anything if my granddad could come one Sunday and meet you and just, you know, but he's in heaven. And I believe he's looking down and seeing what God is doing and the lives that are being changed by the gospel. But folks, the influence runs deep. Whenever we invest in the kingdom of God, it's Christ's followers stand out. Focus on your family first. Sometimes we're so focused on career, we're so focused on climbing the ladder or getting to a certain status. His grandmother pointed her daughter, Lois, or, or Eunice rather, uh, towards a relationship with Jesus, towards the gospel of grace, modeled her faith, and then it got passed down to her son. Faith is both taught and caught. The faith that dwelt first in grandma was passed on to mom and now to the son. Paul and notes that it's in Timothy. He said, I'm sure dwells in you as well. It's, it's a, a faith that's taught and called. God is also looking for ordinary, faithful moms. I love what Matt Chandler said here. He said, God is awesome. He doesn't need you to be awesome. He needs you to be obedient. Think about it. God doesn't need you to be awesome. You can't be everything. Just be obedient. Just be faithful where God has placed you as a mom or as a father, as a dad. And then lastly, even in less than an ideal situation, you can make an eternal impact. Some of you are parenting solo or without the help of the father. And folks, can I just say, God understands and he knows and he will equip you, he will empower you in whatever situation you're in to be the parent that he's called you to be to point your family and your children to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So let him know the struggles. Let him know, hey, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. God knows. And he will give you everything you need. And so let's look at three ways this morning we can spiritually influence moms, can influence their children Mothers and grandmothers, first of all, sow salvation. Sow salvation. Teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it is to know Jesus Christ. In Jude 3, it says, Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Faith must be passed down to the next generation. 
When mothers model genuine faith, salvation can be sowed into the soil of their children's souls. Timothy heard the gospel, but he still had to come to the place where he repented of his sins and chose to follow Jesus Christ. And that's what I love about verse 5. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith that first started in your grandmother, Lois, was passed down to Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Paul saw a direct connection to the influence of sowing salvation daily into our children and allowing them to see the gospel living out. Having said all of that, some of you are doing the best that you can and still yet a child has gone, a prodigal gone, gone away. I hurt for you. And folks, in fact, I, it does not mean that you've done something wrong in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it doesn't mean that there's any fail-safe formula to, to keep your kids on the right, straight, and narrow path. There's nothing that, in Scripture that guarantees that we all have a free will. And that child has to make a decision to choose to follow. As much as I would love to have all four of my kids lined up and say, you know what, I would love for you to marry this person and, and work this job and have X number of children and live you know, right down the road from me and all of these. Can't happen. Anybody else like to plan that out? I mean, sometimes you think about some of these other cultures. And I traveled to India, and I'm thinking, arranged marriages? I would like that. I mean, we picked out a little girl in nursery several years ago and thought, I should be good for my son. And I, I'm, I'm totally playing. But, you know, you start thinking, I mean, how would we like to order our li the lives of our children? But that's not how God works. He gives us a free will to choose. He didn't force us to love him and live for him. He chose, So we're sowing salvation Timothy had two sincere Christians every day. There was no facade about their faith. They were fully committed and devoted. Moms, if you want to instill authentic faith in your children, make sure you take your own faith seriously. Let them see you reading the Word of God. Let them see you crying out to God in prayer. Let them see you struggle and, and turn to God in faith and trusting in, in His plan for your life. And folks, if you're just going through the motions spiritually, your kids will see it. And tragically, they may do the very same thing when they get older in their own life. Mother can touch a whole generation by just having her, loving her own child well. In fact, she can affect the next 100 years. And I, I, love, I love the picture of the generations here in Timothy's family. Because as they sowed salvation, it kept passing down to the next generation, to the next generation. Timothy's family environment was so, was fertile to his faith development. Both his mother and grandmother held their faith deeply and they shared it freely. They were open about sharing the gospel. And it wasn't the facts that they knew. It was their faith that grew Timothy into a man of God. How fertile this morning is the environment in your family for the reproduction and nurturing of authentic faith in the lives of your children and grandchildren? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit of God to direct you and lead you daily as you seek to sow salvation into your children? Then number two, share scripture. Here a grandmother, a mother, not only sowed salvation, they shared the scriptures. So how do you know that? Go over a couple chapters, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
Verse 14 and 15, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. That's his mother and his grandmother. And have firmly believed, it says, from your childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Hello, the scriptures, the word of God. Uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In fact, the phrase from whom is plural, referring to a grandmother and a mother who are intentional in influencing their son's life with the gospel. Folks, the word childhood refers to a newborn baby or a, a toddler, but Lois and Eunice teamed up to provide Bible classes for a young Timothy, even before uh, he could even crawl, they were investing in his spiritual formation. They were teaching him about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's important for parents to make sure their children are, are into the word. And, and Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. It's a vital thing. It, it's fact I think in our current culture, if they're not in the Word, there's no way they're going to know how to follow Jesus Christ with their life. It's just that simple. If they're not in the Scriptures, there's no way they're going to be equipped in 2021 to face the, the evils of this world and of the enemy. Mothers, what kind of influence are you having on your kids? What kind of impact are you having? Then thirdly, start serving in Acts chapter 16, it says, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. It's well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And folks, what happens is we see the, the characteristics of, of disciple making, and, and not only was he, uh, he was modeling salvation, sowing the, the salvation, you know, teaching him the word of God, the scriptures, but he taught him how to serve. Start serving. Start using your life a, a, as a vessel that God can work through, and we're modeling it for our children. See, what happens is when mom and dad serve in the church, when they get involved in serving, it sets an example. One day, your child is going to see, you know what? It's time for me to step up to the plate. It's time for me to serve, be an usher. Sometimes I see some of these teenagers serving uh, and helping uh, take up the offering in the pre-COVID days. So eventually, we'll, we may get back to all of that, those things. Uh, serving, my son serves in the parking lot a lot of Sunday mornings, and he's got the Mickey Mouse hand on there, out there waving at you and, and smiling. Folks, what happens is we've got to model service to our children so they understand how to live for Jesus Christ. Disciples making disciples, pointing them toward a relationship with Jesus. Paul said this in Philippians 2.20. He says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul had such a passion about young Timothy because he had seen him grow up as a follower of Jesus Christ. Susanna Wesley was a mother of 17, two of which were John and Charles Wesley. She spent hours each day praying over her children. In addition, she took each child aside for one hour each week 
to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder her children were used of God to bring blessing to all of England and much of America. She had such an influence on her 17 children. Mothers who influence make sure their children start serving. Say, Pastor, what's the application? If you're a mom or a grandmother, you have a mission. God has uniquely gifted and created a mission for you. The values you leave your children or grandchildren are far more important than the values that you leave them. Think about it for just a second. The values you leave your children are, there's more than any valuables you can give them. The values you pass down are vital so that they can go on and choose to follow Jesus Christ with their life. You see, all of the money in the world can't buy a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But folks, as you're passing down your faith, you're teaching them how to live for God for the rest of their life. And folks, then they'll pass that down, Lord willing, to their children, their grandchildren. It's not about the, 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 the valuables, the, the, the riches, but it's the values we can pass on. Paul says, sow salvation. He says, share scripture. He says, start serving. These are the ways that we're going to invest and make a godly influence on our children. He says, start it today. Your mission is to be a spiritual influence to your children with or without the help of a dad. Say, well, Father's Day is coming in just a few weeks. In fact, about a month away, we're going to get the dads. So don't think your, your, your uh, role is not important because it's vital. But this morning we're focusing on mothers and, and grandmothers and the influences. Seek to point them toward a deeper relationship with Jesus each and every day. And pray the Lord will direct their steps as they seek to follow Him. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning. I can't think of a, a greater privilege that we have as, as followers of Jesus Christ, but to disciple our own kids first and foremost. Before we can make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation, Lord, it really begins within the walls of our own home. God, I pray that each mother, each grandmother, each stepmother, each person who has an influence on children this morning would take serious our responsibility to teach them the gospel and how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, would you speak to hearts? Lord, it's not about the latest hairstyle or clothes or cars or any of those things, but God, are we teaching them, are we investing in their faith formation, God, that they'll grow up and, and choose to follow you with their life? God, I pray you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. Encourage us. Lord, areas where we need correcting, God, would you show us that? And Lord, we, would we be humble enough to admit those things, those areas that we need to work on? And God, may you transform us. And God, the time that we have left here on this earth, God, may we continue to leave a, a godly influence on the next generation. Use us for your glory, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we stand our feet, why not allow the Holy Spirit of God to just encourage and challenge you this morning? God speak into your heart.